Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this Jubilee episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I hope all my English listeners are having a happy Jubilee weekend. And if you are coming over from Sunday Night Main Event Patreon, welcome to Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Because yesterday, I was a guest host of Boris on Rampage Rumble. And yes, welcome all you to the A-Show, Radio Free Professional Wrestling. David, how you doing? You remember, oh, you remembered me then. I, uh, I, I seem to have been forgotten lately. You, you sod off and do SNME radio. You know, Boris, I've got a bone to pick with you, you pie-drinking, beer-drinking git. How many times have I offered you the English perspective? You reject me, and then you take the stunning one, which obviously improved the show, but that's not the point. Boris, you're on my um, list, all right? Make no mistake about it, no matter what. Anyway, oh, nice of you to remember me. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, welcome to a very wet Jubilee weekend, the last day of a long bank holiday over here in the UK, where the Queen um, has been barely spotted all for the last four days. David, I trust that RFEW is fine. Yes, it is fine, just I feel like we should go ahead and go over to the control center so I can get the show on the road here. I think that's a good idea. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Okay, David. Our biggest story came out of AEW Rampage. Because CM Punk is injured. Apparently it's his ankle or something like that. And he's going to actually be having surgery and be away from AEW for a while. So they decided to do a intern title. And this is the most convoluted way to get to the intern champion. So follow me here, okay? On this coming up episode of AEW Dynamite, you're going to have a battle royal to kick off the show. That winner will face John Moxley in the main event... And whoever wins that match, which most likely will be John Moxley, will wait until Forbidden Door because Tanahashi has to qualify at Dominion to advance. Why in the world Tanahashi has to qualify? I don't know because he was literally in the match with CM Punk like 72 hours ago. Well, it was the main event. It was going to be the main event for Forbidden Door. So, yeah, you you put that better than I could have, to be fair, because, Christ, they've made hard work of this. It happens. They'd have been better just letting Punk relinquish than Chase again. Put it on Moxley, put it on whoever, whoever they want. Even call it an interim champion. Just have one big battle royal and the winner is the interim champion until Punk comes back and Punk can come back. Um, but this stinks. This really does stink. At least they haven't gone down the Finn Balor route that the WWE did because that was poor when he had to relinquish the um, title through um, injury and he never even remotely became a, a title contender again. Um, yeah, they've gone a very strange way about this. And um, yeah, obviously from the cynicism in your voice, you don't like it. I'll be honest, I don't like it. But we just got to wait and see. It's unfortunate for Punk, but... 
hey, them's the, no pun intended, them's the breaks. Well, my second news story concerns another injury as the current NWA champion, Matt Cardona, suffered an arm injury coming out of the latest GCW episode, and he is questionable to go for Always Ready, which will be here this coming Saturday, live in the wonderful place that is known as Knoxville, Tennessee. Right, I'm going to make a point here now to you, mate, and whether you agree with it or not. You just said a correct news story. Yep, interesting news story. So Cardona has injured himself in an Outlaw Mud Show hardcore company, and he now can't defend his NWA title. What's more prestigious, the NWA title or GCW? Stupidity is what that is, and Cardona deserves it, everything he gets. Now, I see on Twitter where Matt Cardona says he's going to do everything possible to be here for Always Ready, but there's no way I can see him wrestling in this event. So, I'm wondering if they're going to try to get one of the Cardona family to be a fill-in to face Nick Aulis, or yeah. do we get another Nick Aulis match, and they give Cardona a return match for the NWA title down the road once he's healthy? Yeah, I don't know. It's a similar scenario to the um, AEW scenario that we've um, experienced over the last 48 hours. My guess is the NWA will do it slightly better than the way Tony Garner's. Well, you know what, David? I can give you a live report next weekend because I'm going to be there. Excellent. We like that. We like that a lot. You're almost forgiven for um, sodding off onto another podcast. Our next news story comes back to probably the second biggest story of the week, and it's MJF, Maxwell J. Will Freeman. And apparently, <laughs> AEW has bought into this whole pipe bomb episode because they have removed him from all AEW. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm going to have a hazard a guess. And I don't know this because we don't do spoilers. We don't plan this. We try and make it as natural as possible. That when we do the stunning six questions, there is something about MJF going to crop up. I'm, I'm presuming because I've got a lot to say about this promo. Um, and it, some of it might surprise you. Well, our next news story concerns Jeff Hardy as Jeff Hardy was injured during the match against the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing. Yeah. And yeah. what is even scarier is... He doesn't remember anything about that match. It was confirmed on the Matt Hardy podcast as Matt was telling that they were leading Jeff Hardy from spot to spot to spot during this match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's horrific. Uh, he's, I mean, we, we've talked about this on the show um, the last few weeks. He's going to kill himself. I don't know whether that's whether he, that's what he wants to, to do. Literally, AEW's Owen Hart Memorial is going to be like a tribute from Jeff Hardy and he's going to kill himself. It's, it's just... That was scary when Matt came out and said he didn't remember the match. The last big one I can always remember was the British Bulldog, not remembering the classic 1992 match with Bret Hart, because he doesn't, because of various reasons that we won't go into. Um, but he doesn't. Bret led him all the way through that. Uh, apparently the other three were that good, and he, they got high praise for the books. I'm not a books fan, but there was high praise for the books for realising that Jeff was possibly concussed or injured and getting him through the match exactly because now that sheds a lot more light onto that match because as we're talking on the the post show for that pay-per-view we felt like that match didn't get in gear something wasn't clicking right now we know yeah absolutely bang on with that sean yeah absolutely bang on okay david our next news story because there's a new promotion that was going to debut this weekend <laughs> over in nottingham england as the former 
AOP was going to do their, if I remember right, it's like Wrestling Experience, something else, it's WES, if I remember right. They were going to have like the biggest list of former WWE of cast-offs that you could possibly have. And apparently they're giving the reason for this show to be postponed to July 9th, if I remember right, as being the fact that it's Jubilee Weekend. Oh, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure if you look at the counter, you probably could have saw that was Jubilee Weekend. You should have moved it anyway. But, okay. Hopefully they get this thing off the ground because I do like the offers of pain. They were a good tag team. But we see these promotions come and go, like, every day. You've, you've, yeah, you've answered your... You've, you've done... As you, as you quite often do, you've done your own statement. I couldn't add, add to that. Yeah, sheer stupidity for booking it on Jubilee weekend, which has been known over here for month, uh, well, months and months and months. Ticket sales would have not been brilliant. Obviously, I don't know the figure, but rumour has it. Ticket sales have not been brilliant. Resurgent companies, particularly when they book lots and lots of WWE superstars over here, or ex-superstars over here in the UK, do not traditionally go well. Even ICW and Progress at their peak have discovered that, and they have been possibly, along with Rev Pro, two of the most successful British companies. So I hold no hope for this company. I think we said that when it was first announced and we first mentioned them. If you remember when we first announced this, they were going to have this in Dubai. Now, the reason they couldn't have it in Dubai was because of the death of the Sheik, so they moved it to Nottingham, England. Now, it's moved back again, but like I said, I hope the operators of pain get this off the ground, because I feel like this is going to be their vessel as they go forward in their wrestling career, and I want to see them have some success. Yeah, I mean, I've got no issue with it, Sean, in, in the respect of, I don't know, mate, I've, I'm just uh, having, I, I often, we've often talked about this on this podcast, and I'm going to go back to it. The best wrestling book I have ever read is James Dixon's All or Nothing, uh, the story of the company 1PW, based out of Doncaster, England, that had a short-term modicum of success by bringing loads of well-known superstars over and bringing them in, in with the Brits. The long story short, the story is it couldn't financially maintain that business model. And there was lots of infighting and politics in the background as well, just to add a juicy story. But the book itself is brilliantly written because it's all interviews with the main players. Now, that includes people like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Their, star, their heavyweight champion for a while was a certain Corey Graves during his wrestling days as Sterling James Keenan. It's an absolutely wonderful book from behind the scenes with a controversial wrestling company that had... It was it's just like a rise and fall story. I brought this up recently on the show. The guy that originally formed this company, a guy called Stephen Gauntley, the promoter, he's trying now, currently... To bring it back in his home of the Doncaster Dome, an indoor arena in the UK, on the um, in Yorkshire, southwest, southeast Yorkshire, um, that holds about seventeen hundred people, and he's doing it again, exactly the same business model that failed. He's bringing over loads of currently ex WWE stars, possibly some of the AEW stars, some New Japan stars. It's never worked in the uk sean and it never will exactly david i feel like you have to have a more homegrown face if you're going to do a promotion in any country you need the homegrown stars because that's the people that people will gravitate towards to you can literally have a cast off of every wwe former employee on a show but if you don't see them week after week because 
you ain't gonna see these people week after week. It's better just to do a one shot. Like, hey, this is a one time event. Yeah, it, it, it was weird how that worked out because a lot of the under. I mean, you go back and read this book, and I'll keep harping on about it, but it is a wonderful thing. You keep looking back at some of the British wrestlers undercard for this company. Pat, Doug Williams, Nigel McGuinness worked for them. Um, you know, so this is the sort of guys that you're talking about. Um, and they, they never utilise them. But, as I say, I don't want to do spoilers here. Get that All or Nothing by James uh, Dixon. You will thank me for reading that book. It's available on Kindle as well. Okay, David, my final news story of the week concerns your least favourite promotion ever, NST 2.0. As for the third week in a row, the rains have fallen yet again. Now, if you saw this past week's episode of NST 2.0, the main event was basically, if I remember right, was Tasha Attraction doing their contract signings with the tag team and Winnie Chu for the matches coming up that we'll talk about in the 76 questions from NST in your house. In a couple minutes, we'll tell you everything that happened at NST 2.0. Well, um, I can't wait because you know I'm a big fan of NST 2.0. I love it! Okay, David, let's move over to the 76 questions questions it's time for the stunning six questions all of the whys and what have they done now hopefully sean and david can make sense of it david there's nowhere else i think we should start than with stunning question number one what were your thoughts about the mjf quote-unquote pipe bomb right unpopular opinion sean you look at the pipe bomb the promo it's a singular promo it's delivered by one of the best on the mic the passion the intensity the blurred reality it was in theory it should have been everything that was perfect about a promo however for this scenario it didn't work and it was rubbish in this, in that respect of it got him over as a baby face i was cheering him as i watched it i was going go on maxwell give it some and he did apparently by all accounts depending on who you believe it should have only been five minutes i believe it went for about 15 i believe don't quote me um it had it didn't have the desired effect for the company therefore it didn't work because there's a bigger picture here i actually quite like he dropped the f-bomb um and i think that he wasn't expecting that to be broadcast i think he was watching it back i think he thought that he was going to be cut off by them so he was only mouthing it and it'd be picked up that he was mouthing it you could tell he dropped the f-bomb but obviously it wouldn't have gone out live on it wouldn't have gone out over the mic on telly and in within the live audience if that makes sense there was obviously some genuine frustration with the ongoing debate with Tony Khan. Tony Khan has done the right thing since in that with the storyline stuff, you mentioned it earlier, the the withdrawal of the merch, the withdrawal of his alumni. He's even apparently, I've read today, been withdrawn from the opening of the Dynamite. Um, they've redone the Dynamite intro so you don't see him. So they're pretending that they have nothing to do with him anymore so they can bring him back at the perfect moment for whatever. They got it wrong in my eyes, Okay. It was a good promo, don't get me wrong. What spoiled it was they got it wrong. It should have been five minutes. He goes out there, gets some heat, and goes. Just goes. It was too long, and it got him over as a babyface, which MJF is never a babyface. That audience have been desperate to cheer him, no matter what he says to them, and he gave them the opportunity. David, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but 72 hours before that pipe bomb 
um, promo, didn't he have a match with Warlow and he had like 10 power bombs? Yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, you're right. Don't you? You're absolutely bang on. But obviously, we've seen that from every wrestling company in the world. He was stretched off. David, why in the hell did I see him on my TV on Wednesdays after that match? And oh, hey, huh? the victorious Warlow, he got a match with a freaking chopper. Like, what the hell is going on here? I thought we we're building the new babyface Warlow into a, a powerhouse. Yeah, I mean that's you're right. That's but that's the lesser of two evils. About MJF, you're absolutely bang on. He walked out, he marched out, he he stormed out like there was nothing wrong with him, and yet you saw him on the pay per view with a neck brace being taken off on a gurney. So yeah, very very valid point, very valid point, Sean. Okay, so getting that out of the way, putting it off to the side. Now the promo, like you said, it turned him babyface because he was speaking the gospel to every diehard AEW fan, going like, Tony has sold us out. Tony has gone to the dark side and brought in every WWE person he could find and put them in main positions over people that were there from day one. So it's like, okay, we're supposed to boo MJF, but he's speaking the truth. The Hill is speaking a truth here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there was obviously, you know, the one good thing, one of the, you know, when you blur reality and storyline. Now, from what, if you're depending on who you believe with the dirt sheets and um, some of the salary negotiations on, Punk, Jericho, Danielson are earning more than him. No issue with that. Some of the other names, Christian Cage is earning more than MJF. Should Christian Cage be earning more than MJF in that company? Obviously, no, because they've done nothing with Christian since he's been there. Not Christian's fault, but MJF. He's one of the people. He's had some of the, you know, the feud with Punk. This now feud with Wardlow. You know, they've been brilliant. The stuff he did early doors with Cody and Moxley. He's been fantastic. And obviously, he feels he's worth more. The only issue is, right, and this is a point to bear in mind, the grass is not greener on the other side. If he goes to WWE, which is a distinct possibility, he will not be that MJF that we love slash hate anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be the same MJF for one reason only. His promos are going to be more scripted than they are in AEW. I'm pretty sure he gets bullet points in AEW. He goes out there and says whatever he wants to. And the WWE is going to be written for him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, mate, I could not agree with that anymore. Um, in fact, they won't even be, but, you know, his scripted will be verbatim. His promos will be verbatim. And it's just how we can... The only person who's managed in the WWE for me to get remotely round the way that, that uh, promos are booked is Kevin Owens. And he, like MJF, is, a, is magnificent on the stick. I think it's a mistake. I hope he gets what he wants from Khan and stays in AEW, my take. Exactly. Now, if you read the reports as well, back in early 2022, they increased MJF's original salary. He originally was making between, like, 50000 to 70000 dollars a year. Just so he's making like hundreds of thousands of dollars here. Now, I feel like he should be making somewhere closer to Brian Downson money. Maybe not CM Punk money, but him and Brian Downson should be on almost the same level because MGF has worked his ass off in this company. Yeah. I mean, now Cody's gone. Your big three are Jericho, Punk, and Danielson. Yeah. Moxley probably quite close behind on a par with Jericho. Yeah. You got two, and then you got like two, two. It's for me, MJF should be up there in in that 
in that group, without a shadow of a doubt, on salary-wise. Oh, no issue with that. He's one of the most entertaining. Let's face it, when you sit down and watch Dynamite, when I sit down and watch Dynamite, there are certain things you are looking forward to, and MJF is always one of them. Because you never quite know. You never quite know what's coming out. He's hugely entertaining. Don't get me wrong, I've criticised that promo, but I've criticised the promo from a bigger picture here. Um, I was hugely entertained by it. Absolutely hugely entertained by it, Sean. But it didn't, for me, achieve what AEW wanted and needed. And I think it must have gone wrong in the back somewhere. Exactly, David. We'll leave this here for now as we slide over to standing question number two. David, what do you think about AEW's decision to have an intern AEW world champion? Yeah, I don't like this. don't like this. For me, Punk should have relinquished the belt on the proviso that he gets a title challenge of his choosing when he's fit. And then if you want to have the belt, because if you, you, know, you don't know how long he's going to be off, or maybe you do for that reason, you, you've got so many good shows coming up. You can have, if you want to do a, a tournament, yeah, but do a tournament. Don't do a battle royal. How, how can anyone justify it in a battle royal? And then against my, I mean, you went through it earlier, and you went through it better than I I could have ever done. It's just too convoluted. It's too complicated. I don't want to think about, well, hang on, he's doing that, and then he's doing that. And then I just want them to come out and say, right, eight first-round matches, um, top 16 in the tournament, in the rankings. They have rankings. They have rankings for a reason. Moxley's number one. He's, seeded, he's, he's fighting number 16. Yeah, and we go through it like that. Two's fighting 15, etc. Three's fighting... You're with me. Three's fighting 14. And they go through. It makes a point of the rankings then. Okay, David. So, I'm going to take the side where I'm okay with this Battle Royal under one condition. The winner of the Battle Royal is Warlow. Because after what we saw from AEW Dynamite last week, this guy needs some more rocket fuel to his rocket as we're trying to push him into orbit in the main event picture. And I want to see him have a very hard-fought, close loss to John Mosley as John Mosley advances. You know what? We can forget this advance thing. Just have a one-night tournament for the AEW title. And the winner goes to face Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. I can make this more simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Wardlow has got to be. I think. I think he's got. If he's in the battle royal, which he surely is, he's got to win it. You know, we had the return of Miro this week that was um, slightly underwhelming. Um, I've got to be honest. I don't know how you felt about it, but yeah, there are many, many people that you can put in. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you, son. Sorry, I'm going to get angry again. Well, one more thing before we move away from this AEW intern title thing, um, David. The former champion, Heyman Adam Page, he has a match with David Finley. Which I'm looking forward to this match with David Finley, but shouldn't he be the number one contender since he just lost the title, or he should be in this battle royal? Well, he's got to be in the battle royal. He's just got to be in the battle royal. Yeah, I take your point. Maybe they change the match with Finley because of what's happened. But if he's not in the battle royal... And he's he just no, that's straight. Yeah, because in theory, he should have the perennial rematch clause in his contract. He looks really stupid as a champion, and he'll be the first champ wrestling champion that I've known not to have a rematch clause in his contract. Now, granted, I know AEW doesn't do the automatic rematch clause thing here in storyline, but still, not having the former AEW world champion and your battle royal to decide one of the four people that could possibly be your future AEW world champion it's Lyricus. yeah um, it's, yeah it is 
Absolutely ludicrous, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, David, studying question number three. You already alluded to it. What were your thoughts about Miro coming back to AEW TV? Now, for one, the promo before the match was freaking awesome. The match was something else. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. You've, 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 you've pretty much given me, given yourself my answer. Good promo. Excited, excited for it to come back. So I've been waiting for him. We know there's a talent in there. Yeah, the match. John Martin. He's hardly cut up any trees in his two matches. And he's been a jobber, Johnny Elite. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I'll hold on because I like Miro and hope that something good is coming of this. You know, David, I thought it was a wrong choice of opponents because yep. you feel like with Johnny, whatever you want to use his last name being, he should be more than this enhancement talent here. I felt like Miro should have came out and face one of the members of the Dark Order or something. Somebody who could eat a loss and it wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, I, mate, you're on fire. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah, to me, there's only one thing there. You're right. Morrison's there to enhance talent. And he's not looked great. To be fair, he's not looked great in the ring, which is unlike John Morrison um, or John Hennigan or whoever he is this week. Um, he's not looked great in the ring. But anyway, we've always got that Athena Kira Hogan match to to mull over because that's one for the ages. Okay, David, let's go ahead and slide over to standing question number four. Since we're doing all the debuts through AWTV this past week, the Athena one. What were your thoughts about the former Ember Moon being on TV again? <laughs> David, yes, I did watch it, and if you're a Sunday night main event patron, you got my thoughts on it yesterday, but I will elude my thoughts today for you. Mate, I'm looking... I'll tell you what, please, please, before I go off on one, I would... Because I haven't heard that yet. I, I, you know, obviously, I've been I've been over here in the UK being ignored by you and Boris. So, um... I, I, I'm looking for, please, give me your thoughts. I'm sorry to turn the tables on you. I'm not deliberately throwing you under the bus, but I am genuinely intrigued here, Sean. Okay, so my first thought about Athena's debut in AEW. Okay, I thought the match was clunky. I felt like her and Kira Hogan were mismatched. It didn't get out of first gear. And the fact that they had to come up with a new name for the Eclipse blew my mind because it was so freaking complicated. They were calling it a swan dive cutter, and I felt sorry for Excalibur because I thought that was silly. Uh, let's see what else I can say. I felt like we could allude back to MJS promo because I feel like the person that should be facing Jay Nets is actually Chris Scatlander. But no, we got this new shiny toy from WWE. Let's have her have the first match. Ah, well, you've made me actually feel better there, mate. You really have. Um, I... Don't quite know what to say without swearing. First thoughts, right? At least they put her in more flattering ring attire. How many times did I talk about Ember Moon having unflattering ring attire in the WWE? At least AEW put her in something that suited her. And I'm genuinely feeling for her as a lady when I say that. Don't shoot me. You know, it's like, you know, that was, that was very, very, you know, it was just more pleasing. So... She walked out. I thought that was the first thing that hit me. The match started. Now, I have to say, I've never been a fan of Ember Moon, Athena, or, or, or whatever her bloody name is now. But Kira Hogan in this match was diabolical. Absolutely diabolical. I would normally have jumped all over Ember Moons uh, or whatever. But she was desperate. You watch this again. And I'm sure you have because I know you. You watch this again, ladies and gentlemen. She's uh, Kira Hogan is being covered for. It's an awful match, but it could have been much worse. 
because Ember Moon like brought what little experience she's got to it to make it. Ju- she made it just a bad match. It could have been absolutely off the charts, diabolical. Kira Hogan has no business going in a wrestling ring again until she's gone back to school. So I'm going to give Ember Moon a break here and I'm going to wait and see her next match or next couple of matches with whoever they pair her up with, Sean. Be it Statlander, be it whoever, I'm going to wait and see. That's my thoughts on it. David, I felt like they should have gave that match to Red Velvet. I think Red Velvet could have had a better match with Ember Moon. All you need to see from this Kira Hogan match is the end where she takes the Eclipse. It didn't look good. I don't know if it was the way they shot the angle of the eclipse but it looked like she couldn't take this move to save her life mate it was just i mean i've said it i did i i couldn't believe what i was watching i i really couldn't i thought it was but i'd normally jumped all over ember you know ember moon and i'm not going to in this occasion quite simply because what stood out was how bad kira hogan was and the other lass trying to cover for her inadequacies so I'm, I'm pleased that you politely, because you're polite, you are the Southern gentleman, you are our Chuck Taylor, you, you know, you covered it nicely. No, it was diabolical. If you want to watch bad wrestling matches, watch this, because it is awful. Okay, David, setting question number five. What are your thoughts about the ill-conceived, totally crumble use of Pretty Deadly as they lose their NST 2.0 tag team titles to the Cree Brothers? Right, okay, um, I had a feeling this might come just for your own amusement. You gave me a good whooping on the Churchill Cup, by the way, didn't you, with that pay-per-view? I think You didn't get one wrong, did you? If I remember right, I only had two choices in that match. I'm going to go back and review it. I do feel that we're even 2-2, two, two, thanks to some... Are we? Like I said, I'm going to review it next week on the show. We'll have the official Churchill Cup standings for this month. But giving back to this match here, I felt sorry for Pretty Deadly because you bring these guys yep. over from the UK. Yep. And I'm wondering... Are they going back over? Because we saw back on this past Thursday, if you have seen NXT UK, spoiler alert here, and we'll put spoilers up here. We have new NXT UK champions and our babyface team and our Carter and his partner, as we saw Mustache Mountain broke up. Well, that's been coming, mate, hasn't it? We both know that. So um, I'm not unduly um, upset by that. that um, that's been coming. It's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not. Um, but talking about this NXT match, I actually picked Pretty Deadly in the church. I had a bit of loyalty because I love Pretty Deadly. The stuff they've done in Progress and NXT UK, we've both seen it. We both know what they're capable of. But... The WWE love their big guys. They love, you know, there's a certain type of wrestler that they love, and they carried on that scenario with this. They haven't had the title. They haven't had the title long. I was really... The biggest one, I'm not going to get... I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. There you go. That 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 is the old cliche. I'm not angry. I am genuinely disappointed by that. David, I'd agree with you, because they only had this thing for a cup of coffee, and my question's coming out of In Your House. Who are the crews going to face? Because I'm looking around for another tag team that could be able to bring out a level of a match that was just like what Fairly Daily did. And I got a feeling that we're going to head towards the split up of Dynamine. Who are the Creed brothers going to face now? There's no one. You know, Rod, what Roderick Strong is still doing there. Roddy, have some dignity. Leave. Go on, just get out of there. Um, it's, it, it's, oh, it's, it's horrible, Sean. And, you know, as I say, pretty. Di- I almost expected it, but I'm still disappointed. 
Okay, David, our final stunning question of the week. Stunning question number six. What did you think about the NST 2.0 world title match between Braun Breaker and Gacy? Because, remember, as we were doing our preview, we were all fearing that we are going to go into a safe space and Gacy was going to be the one that wins this title. Yeah, I mean, you, you, again, you just allowed it. The one good thing, the one redeeming thing from this particular match is, um, and spoiler here again, if you've not seen it, Bron Breaker goes over clean, um, which is, they had to. They they were teasing, obviously, the, 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 the tease from the storyline is will he lose his temper and will he get disqualified? Um, there was obviously some bits and bobs, but at the end of the day, Sean, I'm going to put a question to you. This was an NXT special event, main event. We got, you know, they call them in your house takeovers now, or whatever they call them. They got to be now. They're, they're just so disappointing. I mean, this was all right. This, there was nothing wrong with this. It was the match of the card. Um, but it's still, you know, when you're calling that the match of the card, um, it sums up where NXT is. And it isn't very high. David, I'm just hoping that this is the final nail in the coffin of Gacy and this character that he has. And he goes off and gets rebranded. Or at least stays a million miles away from Braun Breaker. Because at one point, WWE had their next big baby face. And they basically poured a bunch of poo on him in this view of Gacy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you know what? For, for, for it to get you like that... That speaks volumes. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm you know. Um, that card last night was almost as disappointing as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series. That's all I'll say. That's how disappointing it is. Well, David, before we go, let me run down the last bit of this card here. Because we did have a good match for the North American title. As we saw a new North American champion and Carmelo Hayes being Cameron Grimes. Hopefully Cameron Grimes is moving on to raw or smackdown but i got a feeling that he's gonna be the gatekeeper of nst 2.0 now i was happy for the fact that tacit attraction kept the tag team titles this for the fact that gd Dolan deserves to go yep. around that waist yep. and i'm just waiting for the day that gd Dolan decides these other two can't wrestle and i <coughs> want to get away from them. mate uh, yeah again you're on you're, you're on fire you just do you know what you're getting ready for you i don't think you need me anymore i think you're getting ready you, you're just preparing me for sacking and your own show because you're on fire to this week yeah you're bang on absolutely bang on Gigi dolan does deserve gold around her waist she's surrounded by people who can't wrestle who haven't got the experience um i, I again disappointed that cameron grimes cameron grimes needs gold He's one of the few high points of NXT 2.0. And if they're not taking him up the main roster, I don't know why they're taking the belt off him. Well, I can see Carmella Hayes having the title again. I mean, I feel like Carmella Hayes and Grimes are the bright spot in what is a lackluster NXT 2.0 at the moment. I, I don't know. Cameron, Cameron Grimes is, is uh, at least, he makes me interested. You know, I, I, don't, I like watching him. And, you know, I won't fast-forward his stuff because I know he brings his A-game every week. David, you know who I feel sorry for in NXT 2.0? It's Ashley Escobar because the opening match was Del Fantasma versus Tony and his crew. And my God, Santos cannot win a match to save his life if it's a key match that he has to win. He didn't take the pin. Thank God he didn't take the pin, but... 
he has to be part of Tony's crew now. But it's it's NXT, mate. It, isn't, it doesn't really matter. That's the thing. That show, you mentioned the ratings, you mentioned everything else. It's NXT. It genuinely doesn't matter. They're not even developing stars. You know, Bron Breaker's not gone. Cameron Grimes has not gone. They're the only two, roughly, that they could send up. Maybe they're thinking of sending Toxic Attraction up, but I don't think that they should. But, hey, you know, NXT is there to build stars, and they're not doing it. Okay, David, we're going to wrap this show up for this week. Now, just a note, we are recording on Sunday before Hell in a Cell, so next week we will give you our thoughts on Hell in a Cell, and I got a feeling that it's going to be just as good as the NXT 2.0 review. (laughs) I'm I'll reserve judgment, but it might turn out to be a belter, Sean. Okay, David, have you seen the go-home shows to quote-unquote Hell in a Cell? Yeah, you wouldn't know that there was a pay-per-view from it, would you? I rest my case. Stay standing. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.